Publisher Podcast, episode 59. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the last Publisher Podcast episode of 2021, and what a year it has been. I am currently under the weather and have been since Christmas Eve, um, so bear with my nasally voice here. But I wanted to take an opportunity to go over some of the highlights of 2021. There were certainly a lot of lowlights, if you will, um, but a lot of good stuff happened this last year, too. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite events of 2021 and also what we learned from those things. Um what I personally learned about writing as I worked and really powered through my first fiction novel. Um, I want to talk about handling negative feedback as well. I'm going to talk about uh, the role of social media as we're marketing as authors. Um, consistency, not only in uh, marketing and social media, but in all things author related. And also my feelings on giving back and how I truly feel that giving more leads to receiving more. And that's not just in my personal life, but in my business and as an author as well. So this is just me today going over all these things. I hope you will enjoy it. And um, two things quickly, if you haven't gotten your ticket for the Women in Publishing Summit yet, run over to womeninpublishingsummit.com and make sure you grab your ticket while there's still only $97. We did extend the early bird pricing um, for all of December and into early January simply because I know that December is really tight for a lot of people and I wanted to give the maximum amount of time to get it at that great discount. But starting January 8th, the price is going to start going up and uh, $97 for all of the content that you are going to get is really a sweet deal. So I hope you'll join us there. All right. Enjoy the show. Woo, 2021 was a big year, wasn't it? I have to say it was both one of those years that dragged on like nobody's business and also went so fast, I can't even tell you how we got to the end of the year already. I had to laugh when someone posted a meme um, on Instagram the other day that, that was the Bernie Sanders picture of him with the gloves from Joe Biden's inauguration and said, you guys, this was only 11 months ago, and yet that incident feels like decades ago, doesn't it? So it's been a big year. For those of you who don't know, in addition to the Women in Publishing Summit, I have a company called Write, Publish, Sell. And this is a self-publishing assist company where we offer launch support and full production and book support. So people come to us when they don't want to do all the things, getting their copyright page done, filing their PCN, um, assigning ISBNs and making sure that's all set up right, getting the cover design, getting the interior, all of that, all the things through production, but we publish under their accounts. So they are the publisher of record. They maintain all of their royalties, etc. We also do full book launch um, packages and we help people who have already gotten the other things, the interior layout, all of the things, and their files are ready to go. They just need some support in their marketing strategy and implementation of that. And this year, between Write, Publish, Sell and my publishing company, Cat Biggie Press, we published, I think, about... 
I would say eight books. Shoot, I should have written this down so I would know exactly. But then we supported several other authors through their marketing and launch. So um, that was a lot of fun. Working with authors and getting their books into the world, all of these, except for one of them, were first-time authors. So it was very exciting. But even for Casey, who um, we published her second book in her series, it's still exciting to get those books into the world. And it's really launch days are stressful and crazy, but they're also some of the most fun things that we do. So in March, um, in addition to the summit, which was amazing, we had about 1100 registrants. And my goodness, was it a fun event, the relationships that were made, the community, the knowledge base, the information shared, it was just such a powerful event. And I am still getting feedback from people on how much they learned from the event, how much it impacted their next steps. And it's so exciting to hear feedback from people as Welcome they as the they do something podcast, and, and, and attribute the actions that were taken to what they learned help, in the conference. Now, granted, the conference is only information. Write, it's up to you to do with it what you will. But it's super exciting to know that we played a role in motivating or educating an author to take the next steps that they needed. But in March, we published through Cat Biggie Press a book called Expiration Date by Mardine Perrins. And this was our first thriller type medical mystery type book. So we had a lot to learn about that genre and um, just had a blast with Mardine in that process. The things that I learned from that is, is that you know, you, there, there's a lot of things in the process and steps that you have to make sure you take, especially with fiction books. Originally, we were going to publish her book in the fall of 2020. But as we started going through the proofreading and editing process, we realized that the manuscript um, needed a little bit more work. And that's not a slam on, Mar on Mardine. That's just the the normal um thing that happens with a fiction book. Sometimes you get into the process, you get into the proofreading, and you realize even though the book had been professionally edited, um, that there's still some work that could be done to further develop it. And part of the reason that we realized we needed a little bit more work was that we put the book out for some early advance reviews and got some feedback that was very, very helpful to us in not only the production of the book, but in making some changes to some of the content in the book. And through my own writing journey this year, I've also come to realize how different writing a fiction book is than a children's book or a nonfiction book. I mean, memoir kind of falls in this as well. It, it takes a lot of time to fully develop a really solid fiction book, especially on your first one. Obviously, the more you write, the quicker this process gets. But when you are new to it, there's all kinds of things that if you're not a professional writer or haven't been really honing in on your craft for a long time, once you get to a developmental editor or to um, reader feedback, you realize, oh, wow, things that I thought were fully developed could be a lot better developed or could be um, written in a way that enhances the characters or the scenes or the tension or the thriller element or all of those types of things. So Mardine was very gracious and agreed with us in 2020 that we were going to um, put some more effort in doing another revision of the book. And we did that and the book came out and it was a great success. And her book is just really, um, I'm really proud of the work that we did with that. 
So then in April, we um, published through Write, Publish, Sell. We worked with an author named Emily Myers, and she published her debut thriller romance, um, thriller romance suspense. This, again, was a new genre to us, and we had a lot of information. We did a great segment with Emily in one of our previous podcast interviews. If you haven't read that, it goes into a lot of detail on how we changed the positioning of the book based on feedback and and what a difference that made in the marketing of her book. And she's getting ready to publish her second book in 2022, which is the um, follow on to the first book. And we're really excited about that. But we learned a lot of things about the use of Instagram and promotion of a book, the use of early readers, um, feedback, incorporating feedback and being able to make changes and do things with that book and about the process and how far in advance you need to do things, when to get this type of feedback, how to make changes from it. And in a bit, I'm going to talk about dealing with negative feedback and how you can use that to your advantage and not let it um, take you down. Because we had some negative feedback on, on, it's normal. First of all, let me just say that right now. There's always going to be negative feedback on your book. Almost, I can say that almost 100%. Sometimes people just knock it out of the park and they only get great feedback. But in most situations, you're going to come across at least one to five 10 maybe people who your book just didn't resonate with them. And that's okay. The important thing is to look at what they said and to see if there's any merit to to their statements and to see if you can use that to improve the book before you actually publish it. Um, sometimes people just don't like the way you write. They don't like your characters. And there's not much that you can do about that. It wasn't their cup of tea. And hopefully if people read those reviews, they are smart enough to see that the person just didn't like the book. But if they see all these other great reviews from people who did like the book, they will more than likely acknowledge and understand that it's not going to be for everyone and appreciate the fact that the negative reviewer pointed out some things that may or may not influence their decision. So anyway, we'll come back to that. In May, we worked with um, a an author who published through Kiwi Publishing, and um, we took care of all of her launch and marketing strategy. And Valerie published Papadillo, I'm sorry, Padapillo. <laughs> Getting trying to put words wrong words, Pat a Pillow, which um, was a children's book, an illustrated children's book about um, hearing loss, dealing with uh, a delayed um, diagnosis of hearing loss for her daughter and what was that the, what that was like for her children. And again, this was a really unique experience um, and enjoyable for us because Nancy, one of my team members, is also deaf, and to be able to um, participate in a project that would benefit. The hearing impaired was was really special to our team, but also we saw how working with um, other companies and other organizations that support the theme or the story or the idea behind your book can really make a difference in your launch activities. And I've seen this through my own books on grief on how important it is to partner with organizations that also support that cause um, to find allies and to find people who want to share your book with their communities, how much of a difference it can make in your launch process. In June, we published a wonderful memoir by Linda Yemsin, um, and it's called Odyssey of Love. This was her story about um, how at the age of 41, an 
uh, she basically uprooted her entire life and moved to Budapest and became an, in, um, an English as a second language teacher looking for this love that a psychic told her that she would meet. And I loved this story so much. I love everything to do with Europe and travel in Europe and love and romance and all of those things. And it was so much fun going down this journey with Linda. And she had a lot of great success. And one of the things that we really um, honed in on here was making sure that we were marketing it outside of the memoir category. Because yes, it is a memoir, but memoir is a huge category, and you really have to know to look for those niche markets that are going to be interested in your book as well. For example, expats, people interested in travel, people interested in finding love abroad, um, adventure in your in midlife, and also music played an important role in her book. So people who love stories that incorporate music. And she wound up at the top of the charts for Eastern European travel for a long time and is still up in the top 10 on a regular basis. So really doing that research into more than just, I've written a memoir, so my audience is mem people who like to read memoirs. No, you have to dig really deep into that. What type of memoir? What are the other interests that people may have in this book? And go in for those if you really want to see your book selling better, in, especially in a super competitive category. And then in August, um, we launched the second book in a two-book series by Casey Whitener. She had launched um, after December the year prior and um, in August of this year before Pittsburgh, um, came out. Actually, sorry, she launched after December in um, December of 2019. So it was a year and a half, but um, carried on the story of her main character, Brian. Um, this was the second book launched by our traditional publishing house, Chrysalis Press, which is very, very small. And we're just trying to get um, a couple of books doing really, really well before we try to expand that company. And we learned the inroads of traditional publishing and how challenging that is. And boy, do I understand a lot more now why it is so hard to get your book into traditional publishing because there's so much work and energy and financial investment that goes into launching a book traditionally. And if it, your book isn't one that they know, that the publisher knows for a fact they can market and sell and position with other books that are selling well, it gets a, it's a tough road. So, you know, a lot of us get a, a real bent out of shape with rejections from traditional publishers, but there's a business mindset behind it. And even if your book is an incredible book and there are so many great books out there that will never get picked up by traditional publishers, it's more, there's so much more to it. What's the market look like? What else has been published out there? What can the author do to contribute to sales of the book? There's a lot that goes into that. Even so, uh, Casey is, an, is a phenomenal writer. She's won multiple awards throughout the year for both of her books. Her writing is incredible, and she is going to go on to do incredible things with her writing, and I'm so glad that we have been a part of her first two books, um, and I just can't wait to see what's going to happen for her. In October, we had the joy and pleasure of publishing Sarah Schwartz's first middle grade book, um, and that was just game over. Shrink Withers was the name. And that was so much fun. This again was our first time working on a middle grade book. And we learned a lot of interesting things through that. But Sarah was just such a delight. And like all of our one on one 
clients. We just really had a wonderful experience with her and um, adore her. Um, In June and October, we ran two rounds of our book launch in a box course. This is a 30-day intensive marketing and launch strategy, and it focuses on the foundations of book launch. So making sure that you have all the things in place so that as you go to launch your book, you've got what you need to um, to grow your audience, to, to, to make what you can from those efforts. And so we focus on things like uh, spending the right, setting up your social media and doing the right things on social media, setting up your email list and making sure that you have an automatic email sequence so that when people sign up to your list, they are already getting information for you, from you automatically to keep them engaged. We talked about all kinds of things like finding advanced readers, um, building your launch team, um, tools that you can use to do that. So that was a lot of fun, and we intend on launching Book Launch in a Box again in June. For anyone who missed it, make sure you keep an eye out for the marketing on that. And then, of course, probably one of the most fun things that came out of the whole year for us was WIP School. So what we learned, we learned some very big things around WIP School. I had um, started a membership program through Write, Publish, Sell. So bear with me. This gets a little bit confusing uh, when you have multiple uh, businesses running to largely the same community of people. So the WPS membership is a monthly, very low rate monthly membership program where we offered Q&A sessions with me and with my other experts on my team around uh, marketing strategy and publishing, social media strategy, um, tech support, using uh, tools to grow your email list, all these kinds of things. We do a monthly training topic um, each month. It's a it's a down in the weeds um training like the one that we did on self-publishing how to load your book to kdp and ingram spark all of those types of things across the board of topics that we know will be of interest and of need to to authors who are self-publishing their books but there's also a lot that other types of authors can benefit from too in terms of audience growth and and marketing and all those types of things anyway we decided to launched WIP school, which was a four-month training program. And then we also had them enrolled in the WPS membership and um, throughout that time and for a couple months after that. And what we found was that having two different programs was really overwhelming. And also four months was not enough time for us to spend with folks with all the things that come with publishing marketing, all of those things, author business things, all of that. So what we decided to do next year is to rebrand the membership as WIP School and make WIP School a a rolling, ongoing program that people can come into at um, a low monthly rate and stay as long as they need us. So if they need us for four months and that's it and they're gone, wonderful. But if they need us for 12 months or two years or however long it is that they want to be involved with us, they can stay And it's not going to break the bank, but it's going to provide tons and tons of valuable training and the backlog of training. And our um, WIP school modules are included in that program as well. And so, um, you know, the reason I tell you all of this, not only is to educate you in case you didn't know we were doing these things and it may be a good option for you, but also because it also leads into some else that is more universal for authors with the writing with the publishing with marketing a book a lot of times it comes down to trying things and seeing if they work 
and measuring the results of things and tweaking those things. And that's what we've been doing with our programs as well. We try things, we see if they work. If they work, we do more of it. If they don't work, we tweak and we figure out how to make it better. And that's something that all authors need to incorporate into your business as of being an author. Try something, see if it works. That goes with your writing too. You may think that what you've written is the most wonderful piece of content and it may be, but until you see how your how it's received by your intended audience, you may not have it nailed quite as well as you think. Or on the other hand, you may have nailed it perfectly. But getting feedback and testing things and seeing how it's resonating with your ideal reader is a very important part of your process. Um, and that's also things that we like to help with in the group too, is getting feedback on covers, on you know first pages, on proposals, on all of those types of things, because you want feedback from other people who can see things from a different angle and a different perspective. And um, you know, feedback is is an incredibly important part of your process through all stages of writing, production, publishing, and launch, and marketing. So keep that in mind that feedback is not bad, it's crucial, and it can be so important for you to um, to make make better decisions in the future. So <clears throat> throughout all of those things, you know, some other fun things that happened um, in the last year were that I spent a month in France working on my book, which is set in France, Four Days in Paris, which is going to launch hopefully in August, um, depending on all the things we've just been talking about. And I spend a lot of time working on that book and also to the second book in the series, which I cranked out a very crappy first draft during NaNoWriMo. But guess what? I have a first draft that I can work with now. So it's done. Whether it's crappy or not, it is done. And um, well, far from done, it is a, 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 a starting point has been created. But I mentioned that I wanted to talk about a little bit about the things that I have learned on my writing process. And that really is how much, um, you know, going back to some of the things that I discussed earlier, the importance of, of early feedback, but not just from anyone, from people who really know and understand the craft of writing and can give really great, great feedback to you and help you move your book in the direction that it needs to go. So I used a couple of different tools and people for doing this, and I'm still well in the process. But um, if you attended the free webinar that we did with Pro Writing Aid, First Editing, and Fictionary, I talked about how I used Fictionary to help me improve my book. Fictionary is an AI tool that you load your document up to, and it tells you if your book is on target with key um, points in the story arc. So when your inciting incident happens, when your climax happens, when the resolution, they should all pretty much follow a, a formula in fiction books. And But they have more than that. They have education and training and tutorials and help you really think about all the things that you need to have in a scene, um, the character development, the scene development, what things are happening. And I spent some time going through that and drastically improved um, the first several chapters. And then through an interview that I did on the Tough Fish podcast with Jennifer Milius, um, I realized I was at the point where I needed some some real structural development and a developmental editor. So I started working with Jennifer and the feedback that she has given me um, has also been tremendous. The difference, I'm going to have to post the difference in my original first chapter that I submitted 
uh, versus the chapter after I used Fictionary versus the chapter after her feedback. I mean, the difference in those first in that first chapter alone is worlds different. And yes, it takes time. And yes, I feel like, oh my gosh, I just want to be done with this book. But at the end of the day, when I publish this book, I want it to be something that resonates with people. I want it to be a book that they enjoy. And I want it to be a good, well-written book. So it's worth the time to slow down and to go through this process. And I know because I am a new fiction writer, I'm learning a lot of things, but I know that my writing is improving and I'm thinking about different things now because of this tool and because of Jennifer and because of even the feedback that I got from my writing coach along the way, which tremendously helped me. I I forgot to mention that part. I worked with a writing coach all year long and submitted chapter after chapter. And she helped me with the creation and and, or the development of the storyline and also gave me accountability to make sure it actually got done. So it's a lot. And for those of you who don't write fiction books, I would encourage you to incorporate these into your nonfiction books as well, because the truth of the matter is people want a good story. It doesn't matter what format that story is. It doesn't matter if it's if it's um, a nonfiction book or a memoir or a children's book. They want a good storyline with people and characters that they care about. And in nonfiction, obviously, the characters would be more of the topic and the and the people writing about that topic or describing that topic. But it needs to take them on a journey. The book always needs to take them on a journey. And when they finish the book, they need to feel like something happened to them while reading the book, whether it was that they learned a new skill or developed an understanding of something or whatever it is, were just entertained, like something needs to have happened from beginning to end in that book. So even if you're writing nonfiction, it's not too late to slow it down to look at how things go together to make sure that the stories that you include in your book are well developed and that your book is interesting. So people actually want to continue reading it and want to share about it with other people as well. So I would say that the coolest part about working with authors and in being a part of the production and the launch of books and marketing strategy and also doing all of these conferences and these webinars and interviews with people who are experts in the industry is that I get to learn every day. I get to see what's happening in the industry. I get to share that with my audience. And I also get to help it help me become better at my job, whether that's my job as being a writer myself or whether that's my job of shepherding other people into um, the world of being a published author and, you know, understanding all the intricacies that come around it. So I would say that in 2021, I, I learned probably more than I have learned. And oh my goodness, we just, we learned so much this year. And I'm so grateful to our community to for being a part of that and for giving feedback and for telling us what you need more of and what you want to learn about and all the things that you're doing. But... I want to talk about handling negative feedback a little bit more because here's the deal. No matter what you're doing, if you're an author, if you're a an editor, if you are a, a VA supporting or a publishing assistant, if you are um, a cover designer, no matter where you are in this publishing industry, there's always going to be negative feedback. I mentioned that earlier. And, you know, it's very rare that everybody's going to love everything that you do. And as I was talking about with some of our books that we published this year, I think there's there's a couple types of negative feedback. There are there's 
constructive negative feedback, I would say, where they they list out all the reasons why they didn't like what you were doing. So for example, maybe someone thought the ending of your book was too abrupt. Maybe someone thought that the characters were a little flighty or that they didn't believe someone would respond that way. Maybe someone said they learned nothing new from your self-help book. So if you are seeking input from people before you go to publication, you can use this type of information to go back and to to think about how you might adjust your book a little bit to maybe add a little bit of more depth to a character, maybe expand your ending just a tiny bit, add a few paragraphs, add another chapter, whatever it takes. Maybe you go back and you add in uh, to your self-help book some things that are a little bit more advanced or um, not something that somebody who's read 15 other books on the topic would already know. Or maybe you make sure that in your description you put, this book is for a very beginner level in XYZ topic. So if you're already reading books and doing things or however you want to phrase it so that you're not pushing people away, but let people know exactly who the book is. So that kind of constructive negative feedback can actually do wonders for your book. And we've seen significant changes be made to a book because of of this. So I'm talking a little bit different than um, constructive feedback from an editor or from, from you know, maybe your, your alpha readers or your initial um, beta readers. But once you've got the book out there, if you have put your book out in front of advanced readers early enough in advance so that you start seeing reviews earlier, you can use that to improve your book. The thing about putting out an arc is that most reviewers um, so this, I want to, I want to be clear here. This is a little bit different on the indie world and the traditional world. In the traditional world, when an arc goes out, it's basically the final version of the book. It's an unproofed copy, so maybe there are some little um, uh, proofing errors that might be changed, but the content of the book is not going to change between the arc um, or galley copies and production. This is a whole new level that um, indie authors have that traditional, well, and they go through so many other phases, either they shouldn't need this. But with indie authors, sometimes, you know, you you get out there a little too soon, or you do something, but you do have the time to make some changes if you're putting your book out far enough in advance of your, your actual launch date. So the downside is, is that there may be some public negative reviews on your book. Um, Hopefully people understand that an ARC is not the final version and you can address these things and make them better. And I've seen people be able to take um, constructive criticism from from advanced readers and make significant changes. For example, um, a children's book that we published a few years ago through Purple Butterfly Press had a font that was really difficult for people to read. And... Um, I had been looking at a hard copy version of it and it was it was okay. I mean, I didn't love the font, but once I saw the feedback, I totally understood where people were coming from. Um, but uh, several people said that the font was difficult for them to read. So we had published the, uh, put the book out for advanced readers through NetGalley early. We had the time to adjust the font. And when the finalized book came out, it had a font that would ensure that no one else would have that same type of feedback. So you can, as an indie author, in control of your timelines, in control of what's happening, you can take that feedback and make improvements. And I suggest that you do when it's possible. Okay, then the other kind of feedback is just um, feedback that people are just like, 
for whatever reason, they were not in a good mood when they read your book. They did not like your characters. They didn't understand, um, you know, where the book fell fell in the genre. They didn't. They were just upset about it. And those are going to happen. Sometimes people are just mean. Sometimes people just were in a bad mood. Like I said, when they read the book, sometimes your description misled people, and the, or you positioned it in the wrong category. And they were expecting one thing and were really irritated that they got something else. So even the most negative feedback may sometimes lead you to making some subtle changes to your description or your categories or other things. And then there are the people that are just trolls, uh, for lack of a better word. They're just mean and, they're, and their comments make no sense. And those happen here and there, and you just kind of have to shove them off and not worry about them. Listen, I am the queen of being taken down by negative feedback despite tons of positive feedback. So this is something that I have to work on all the time too. Um, And you just have to remember that you're going to have some people who don't like your book and that's okay. Focus on the good things that people are saying and focus on improving what you can from what you see from people. And then the other type of negative feedback is personal negative feedback. Um, I've seen a couple incidents this year where people were attacked on a personal level um, because they are now a public figure. And so I, I want you to remember that as your books grow in success, as your name is is known more, as more people are following you, people watch closely. And um, when there's an opportunity for some types of people to pounce, they will. And then there are just mean-spirited people out there. Um, Occasionally, we get some really, really mean emails. And um, and usually they are because somebody is confused or upset or they don't know us. They think we've taken advantage of them because for whatever reason, the email didn't send them to the course they purchased or something. There was a glitch and usually we can fix these things and we do whatever we can. But when someone is new to you and they buy something from you, so if you are an author who is selling digital products or is delivering something else or promising something else in addition to your books, just keep in mind that this also comes along with a new level of customer service. But also, you know, you have to be prepared for um, people being upset or wanting refunds or in the case of your book, hating your book and then and then making it personal to you. And it just it, it exists out there. So my response to that is to just um, no matter what I really want to say back in these emails, because sometimes when I receive some of these emails, it really, really upsets me. So I generally take a deep breath and walk away for a little while. I come back. And I try to put myself in their shoes and I let them know that I would be frustrated in this situation too. Here's how we can fix it, fix it for them. And if that's not, if that's not um, acceptable, then, you know, we part ways, but I always do it in a kind way because you don't know what's happening in people's worlds, especially now. We are living in such a stressful time, but fear all around us all the time all the time, um, being cooped up for a lot, feeling our lives have shifted in a way that none, none of us wanted them to shift in some cases. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of stress, illnesses, people losing a lot of people, people being isolated. There's a lot going on. So, you know, there are just mean people that are trolls. And then there are mean people because they're having a really bad day. And I went off on that just because I want you to remember that 
every time you receive negative feedback from someone, whether it's a negative comment on a social media post, whether it's a negative review, whether it's someone making fun of something, because these things do happen. Hopefully you have not experienced this, but it does happen. Hide or delete, get rid of it and and walk away and just realize that they may have had a bad day. And, you know, don't don't take that on yourself because I have seen authors completely paralyzed by the fear of negative feedback. Like they never even get to the point where they can get negative feedback. They are so afraid of putting their work out there because of negative feedback that hasn't even happened yet that they don't even move forward. So try to put that aside and do the things that you can do that we just talked about to reduce any likelihood that people can truly attack your book. If they don't like your characters, they don't like your characters. But if you've got 58 spelling errors, that's an issue and it's embarrassing and we want to try and do the things that we can do. And trust me, I've learned some tough lessons on proofreading throughout my journey and editing and development and all of those types of things that have led me to really, really just want to put on the brakes, slow down, take my time, run it through multiple rounds of editing, um, run it through multiple rounds of reviews and take the time to do the things the right way. So that way, when you do receive negative stuff, you can say, you know what? I am proud of this book. I stand by this book. I stand by what I am doing. And, um, It's just not their cup of tea is my standard response for all of that. So that was my little segment for you on handling negative feedback. And I know a lot of us are more sensitive than others. Um, I really admire the people who can just slough it off and laugh about it. And I aspire to get to that point. It still really, really hurts me when somebody sends um, something negative. It really does. Because for those of y'all who know me, like I really am sincere when I say I want to help people. So to know that someone thinks that I tried to take advantage of them or to scam them, like that hurts. Um, But I also try to remember that there are a lot of people out there who are getting scammed. And there's a lot of people talking about the scammers out there. So naturally, if you pay for something and you don't receive it, or you receive something that's not what you thought you were getting, or you know, all those types of things. Like naturally I can understand why people just jump to the conclusion that they're, that, that they've been taken advantage of. So I get that, but I know my listeners here know us and, and know that that's that, you know, we always try to do things above and beyond for all of our community that we love and adore. So anyway, enough about that, but ending on a positive note in almost every circumstance where I have actually taken the time, which I do every time, sometimes people don't reply, but in almost every instance, when I reply kindly and when I give solutions and when I do not fire back negatively, the outcome is a very positive situation for both parties. Um, I will tell you, there was a time when I replied negatively and it did not work out well and it didn't get better. So ignore the negative comments and reviews. I've seen just one last thing on this and then I'll move on. I've seen a couple people on Goodreads try to address negative feedback because you can reply to comments on Goodreads. Don't do that. Just ignore it for a couple of reasons. One, if somebody's left a negative review and have said something bad, when you comment, you pop that comment back into the mainstream feed again. So if somebody's looking through things and they see that pop up and maybe it's their first experience, the first thing that they've seen about your book is not only a negative review, but it's it's arguing back and forth, you know, you trying to convince that other person. So just don't do that. Just ignore them and, um, and, and make sure that you encourage people to leave their positive reviews and 
and, you know, engage on the positive reviews so that that's the stuff that's popping up in people's feeds. But also, it just, as we've learned on Facebook over the past few years, engaging in debate on online just does nobody any good. If they didn't understand their book, they didn't understand their the book and, you know, let it go. Let it go. You'll be much happier. Meditate on it. Do whatever you need to do. Take a walk. Throw something. Break something. Whatever it is that helps you move on <laughs> and and move on. Um, and I'm talking to myself here too, okay? I'm giving, I'm giving myself these reminders as well that it's okay to not engage and it's probably better for you to not engage. Okay, so... I have two more topics that I want to cover, and I know I've been going on for a long time, so for those of you who have stayed with me this whole time, God bless you. You're amazing. Um, I try not to ramble on and on, but there's so much to share. There's so much to share. Okay, so the last two things, and I'm not going to go too deeply into this one because I believe it's going to be a workshop topic coming up soon so that we can go deeply into this, and that is the real role of social media because... You know, this again is something that we have tweaked, we have modified, we had one strategy and then we we changed our strategy. And I want to tell you, I saw a great thing the other day. It was talking about science, actually, related to things happening in our world. And it says that, you know, science is based on data. So if originally you have data that makes you think one thing or leads you to a conclusion of one thing, and as you get more data, you realize your initial conclusion was wrong and you update that conclusion, that doesn't mean that you're a phony or a fraud or wrong. That means that you are smart enough to look at the data and to adjust and to come up with a new conclusion that is based on more data. And that same thing is with a lot of marketing strategies, with our marketing strategy, with social media and all of those things. We try things, we study data, we look at what is actually happening. And what we have found with social media over the past few years was a hypothesis that I had that I wasn't fully convinced that social media would sell books. Um, What I was convinced was that social media would build a platform of followers who like the author or like the topic and want to gain more information. And then you use that social media to drive them to your email list, to drive them to other places and things that will help you get, help them get to know you even better. And then you sell through really good marketing strategy or really good blog writing or really good whatever it is that you're doing. But social media, you get a quick, quick opportunity for people to see something that you've posted, maybe a funny meme, maybe a good image. They might heart it. They might even comment on it. Some people might actually read the content, but in most cases, um, unless it's for a product, so I will say Instagram has been killer on its sales game for me because they're posting the types of things that I want and need, and I have bought many a thing through Instagram, but that's a lot of marketing and sales strategy, and it's a product that people really want, and it's different for me. Um, It depends. There are some books that I have bought straight off of Instagram, but usually I don't buy books off of Instagram. I buy books by word of mouth. However, I did buy some really cute pajamas for my kids that had my dog's picture all over them through an ad that I saw on Instagram. You know, so it's things like that that are a little bit easier to sell, but a book, you know, without like book 
still marketing, the number one marketing is word of mouth. So how word of mouth marketing can help sell books is if a lot of people are posting about your book, a lot of people who have people who read those types of books who are following them and looking to them for books, that can be really helpful. Or they might add it to their to read list, or they might add it as a list as a book to, you know, see if their library has, or they might do something with it. But I will tell you from looking at the data from the last year and a half of launches, sales directly from Instagram strategies have just not proven to be a thing. Um, Now, what, what, what we do see is sales coming from email lists. So when people are um, communicating through their social media and growing people who like them and the topics that they're talking about and the types of books that they're talking about, once they get on their email list and then the author takes them through a journey of getting to know them better and doing all of these things and, and then pitching the book after the person already knows them a little bit more or doing other things like offering some free samples or whatever, um, that's where we see more sales. We don't see a lot of book sales just coming from a lot of activity on Instagram. And interestingly enough, I saw an article and I can't remember which, if it was the New York Times or if it was a, it was a major publication, put out an email about um, social media and not selling books and how large publishers were paying celebrities millions of dollars um, because of their quote unquote audience and, um, you know, giving these huge advances and expecting that because they have 15 million followers on Instagram that the books are going to sell. And guess what? They didn't see that to happen. They didn't see that happening because those 15 million followers might be following you because of the pictures that you post of yourself, not because of the book that you're writing. Those 15 million followers might just like you because you're the star of a movie that they loved or they might just, so what I'm getting at here is that you have a lot of people that follow you for a lot of different reasons, especially if a lot of your followers have come from author follow loops. Like there's not a high chance that authors are going to be buying your books in droves. Some of them may, some of them may. Your best chance with other authors is to get them advanced reader copies and ask them to read and leave reviews. And in exchange, you do the same for them. But we can't buy every single book. We have a lot of author friends. Goodness gracious, we have thousands of authors in our community. I can't buy all your books as much as I would love to. I'd be broke, broke, broke. So you need to make sure that you are speaking clearly to your correct target audience and putting out information that that target audience likes and then directing them to whatever your call of action is. I'll give an example of Jane Friedman, who is a powerhouse in the industry. She posts a a mirage of content on her page. Some of it's related to writers. A lot of it's related to her personal life, the drink that she's having, the place that she's going, the cute thing that she saw in a store. And then she also posts about what's coming up in her writing world. She hosts a lot of training events and webinars and things like that for authors. And she puts that link each time in her the one link that you get in your bio on Instagram. So it's easy. She says she'll talk about, you know, the memoir training that they're having. And then she'll say, it's in the link of my bio. And that's the only thing that you can get to. And her link is to register for that course. So authors can do similar things. You can say... I'm giving away um, three print copies on Goodreads. Go to the link in my bio and direct people directly to that link so that they go to your giveaway on Goodreads. Or even better, you know, download my 
free workbook or my um, sample chapters or blah, blah, blah. Go to the link in my bio and they go and they sign up on your email list and you take that opportunity to communicate with them further and to get them to know really who you are, to get their feedback even on your things, to provide value to them so that when you do bring up buying the book again later on, they're much more likely. That in itself is a, is a big strategy. We teach all about that strategy in our WIP school program, which is our monthly membership. Um, But it's important and it's hard work, but consistency pays off. And so I don't want you to be spending hours a day coming up with really cute things to post on social media that aren't working towards your action of making sure that you are uh, talking to your target audience and getting those people to follow you and then also working towards the goal of getting them to take another action, which in most cases should be to get on your email list or to add your book to Goodreads or to do something that's going to directly benefit you, even if it's not buying your book. Um, there's lots of ways that people can support you without actually buying your book. So that's the role of social media and what I wanted to say about that and making sure that you're doing what you can. Social media is important. My thing on the celebrities was not to say that you should walk away from social media, um, but I will say it is more important for some genres and some audiences than others. And then I would also say if spending a lot of time on social media is taking you away from doing more things that will actually get your book into the hands of more people, that will actually sell more books, that will actually get your book out there, um, like finding editorial reviewers and finding um, places to, to get feedback and to get reviews and all those kinds of things, then prioritize those other actions over social media. I have um, a social media manager, Raywin Sangari, whom all of my community knows. She does all of our Women in Publishing Summit Instagram, which is amazing. She does our Cat Biggie Press, our Purple Butterfly Press, and our Write Publish Cell. I rarely ever touch those accounts. She does her magic, and they are wonderful. I have a personal account, my Alexa Big Wharf account on Instagram, and I post about my life because of a couple things. One, a lot of what I'm writing about is related to things I'm doing in my life. I write on grief, I post about grief. I write on um, my fiction in Paris, I post about going to France and doing things like that. But I also just post about who I am because I know that when people know you and like you and trust you and want to follow you, they're also very likely to at least check out your book. Um, But I don't, just do social media for marketing. I do social media for relationship building and for, you know, connecting with other people who have interests like I do and for, gosh, positive reinforcement when life is just hard. So it's okay to be real and authentic and to not have your account all about um, your books. Now, if you have an author-centric one, you might want to focus it more on those types of topics. But again, what what else can you pull in that will be of interest to the people that would be interested in your book? And you don't have to, I don't post every day. Um, I try to post multiple times a week, but I, I'm not a slave to social media. And, um, and I use automatic tools and team support to do Facebook posting and all those types of things because I have a lot of other things that are more pressing for my time. And we do what we can on social media. And when we need to boost it, we boost it. 
but it can't control your lives. So that's one of the big takeaways from 2021 is learning how to use social media appropriately and as a real part of your strategy, not something that's a time suck and takes away from the bigger thing that you want to do it. And I am telling you, when you use it well, and when you're doing it well, and when you're growing the right followers, and when you're using the right types of promotions and call to actions and all of those types of things, you can see a big impact and you can see a growing impact. And the last thing, um, and, and consistent action, consistent action and all of that, consistency in your in, in what you're doing in the types of things you're doing each week to grow your community, to talk about your book, to find reviews, to write more content, to write content in front of other audiences. Like consistency is really important. And I've seen that consistency over the last eight years since I published Sunshine After the Storm, which leads me into my last topic, which is giving more to receive more. Now, for those of you who know my story, I lost an infant daughter. Um, 18 months later, I wrote a collaborative um, book with a bunch of other mothers and fathers so that we could provide a really, what we believe is a very useful guide called um, Sunshine After the Storm, a survival guide for the grieving mother that talks about a lot of different elements that come along with the loss of a child or pregnancy or infant. And, um, you know, never any hard marketing on that book because the intent wasn't to sell a ton of copies. The intent was to get it into the hands of the people who needed it. And because of that, I have donated thousands of copies of the book. I have, I do run Amazon ads because I want it to be out there for people to find and see. And I've consistently run Amazon ads for a long time, but I have done nothing to ask for reviews. Okay, I shouldn't say nothing. Every once in a while when someone says that they read my book, I say, oh, would you please go review it on Amazon so that it can help others too. But I've done no major, um, you know, targeted campaigns for marketing or for um, getting reviews or any of that stuff. I've done zero paid review type activity. Um, And my book has um, over 100 reviews, which for some people may not seem like a lot. No, it doesn't have thousands of them. I wonder if I had done any targeted marketing, how many it could have. But when people receive the book and it helps them, they go and leave reviews. And that's what happens with books that people love. When they love a book, you don't have to beg them for reviews, which is why you have to focus on getting in front of target readers, not just friends and family and other authors. Because friends and family will say, yes, I'm going to read your book and I'm going to review it. And then they get busy in their life and they forget because they don't really understand the importance of it to you. But people who are avid readers and who love Books like that will go leave a review. If they loved it, if they hated it, they will go leave them. So it's about giving, giving more, giving more to get out in front of the right people, whether this means giving out more advanced reader copies of your book, which is called an ARC, um, or galley copies if you've done print runs of your book before publication, if it means you know, doing sample downloads on your website, if it means posting more content on your blog, if it means posting more valuable content on social media, giving them tips and tools and resources or giving them sneak previews or talking about the themes from your book and the stuff that gets people interesting, giving and giving and giving without always necessarily wanting something in return. I promise you this will come back to you. Um, And it may take time. It's been eight years since I published Sunshine After the Storm and we had 
between 50 and 60 reviews for many years. And I just checked on there the other day and there were a whole bunch more reviews that I hadn't even realized were there. So, you know, consistently, if you're getting your book out there, if you're getting your content, if you're getting your message out there and people find you and your information valuable or entertaining or, you know, the most wonderful thing they've read or all of that, like they will follow this isn't the right strategy for everybody. I'm going to tell you that not everybody can, um, you know, it's going to depend based on your genre. It's going to depend based on what you feasibly can do. So what I just want to tell you is to not be afraid to give your book to people. Um, if you run a print run of maybe 50, maybe you got 50 um, author copies from Amazon, not being afraid to just put it in the hands of people and asking them to read it and share about it um, or asking them to, sh- to give it to someone else when they're done or asking them to consider it for their book club or giving their book club you know, copies of your book, or if you don't want to do it that way, if you want to give something else, like maybe your time or maybe a host gift or maybe something like that. The point is, I truly believe that when you give more, you receive more. And that is is for everyone. And you'll get to a point where you don't have to give um, everything away all the time. Like when you get to the point where you've grown a fan base, then you can, you, you don't have to give, you can give whatever you want to at that point in time. But in the early stages, I mean, if you think about a traditionally published book, when I went to Book Expo America, um, there were hundreds of authors there, if not thousands, um, whose publishers were there with just thousands of copies of their books that they print copies, some of them hardcover books, that they just handed out to everybody there at no charge because they understood the value of word of mouth marketing. They understood the fact that sometimes with a new book, it's it's difficult. Um, well, sales may not be difficult. It just goes back to the word of mouth marketing. Like the more people who know about your book and have your book, the more they're going to talk about it, which drives sales. So sometimes you have to give away many copies of your book in order to drive sales to it. But if you think about it, if you give away 50 copies of your book and all 50 of those people, if all they do is leave a review on Amazon, that's 50 reviews that you didn't have. If they leave a review on Amazon and leave a review on Goodreads and share about it to their book club and, you know, give it to a friend who also reads it and tells all their friends, like the the momentum can be tremendous. So as you move into 2022, I would like you to think about a few things. One, are you doing all the things that you can do in in the early stages and in the creation of your product to make sure that when it gets out into the world, it's ready? Are you doing all the things that you need to do to prepare the marketing element so that, you know, launching, starting your marketing a week before launch or on launch day is not going to get you the results that I think you're looking for? A long, consistent plan. Are you being consistent in your actions or are you marketing one day a month or popping in sporadically? Are you using social media in a way that really grows your community and brings people into your world in a meaningful way? Um, How are you handling negative feedback? Are you using it to your advantage? Are you even giving yourself an opportunity to get negative feedback? Are you taking the things that other people say and using that to improve your process um, as you go? And then... How much are you willing to give to your audience? And giving can be a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be hard copies of your book. It can be PDFs. It doesn't even have to be your full book. It can be whatever makes most sense to you. 
but it can be other things as well. It can be webinars, free webinars, um, depending on your genre, but almost every genre can do a webinar. Okay, let me give you some examples. You're fiction writers, okay? Well, how fun would it be to um, to do a webinar with some of your favorite fiction writers to talk about the themes of the books or the characters in the book or what's going to happen next or um, how you all wrote, you know, this this sci-fi mystery or something like that. You know, that would be fun for your readers, be fun for other writers too. So you're a nonfiction writer. Oh my goodness. I mean, let's say you're working on um, health. There are tons of authors on health. Um, get together with some other authors and do a webinar on how to start whatever process you're teaching them or how to maintain what you're doing or whatever it is that you want to give to the community. Um, you're a children's book author. Oh my goodness. What if you got together with others and did activities or all of you read your books or you talked to parents about the importance of, you know, curating a bookshelf that's going to help their children through X, Y, and Z. Um, memoirists can come together and talk about the themes of their of their book. Grief writers can come together and offer a grief se- um, um, seminar. And anything you can think of, you can find other people to partner with you and to give in a way that attracts people to you and to your platform and that markets your book in the same time. So this was a long one. I hope you stuck with me to the end. I appreciate our audience. Um, And I know that if I didn't have you guys, I wouldn't be learning all of this stuff because I learn so much through the process of working with the authors that we work with. And, um, you know, this was such a great year. And I'm so grateful to all of our one-on-one clients. I'm so grateful to our WIP school attendees. I'm so grateful to everyone who attended any of our workshops or membership programs or anything this year. You've really allowed me to follow my dreams and to build a life that I am in love with. And while some days are really, really hard and some days I'm working way more than I want to, at the end of the day, I'm really proud of what we've built through Write, Publish, Sell and through the Women in Publishing Summit. And I'm really proud of the types of people that we have attracted into our community. And I'm so excited for all of you as you are seeing successes and getting published with traditional and hybrid publishers and seeing editorial reviews and seeing highlights of your book in places and getting on media and all of the amazing things that our community is doing. So I'm so grateful to you as we wrap up 2021 and I'm so excited to see what happens in 2022 and can't wait to celebrate all of your successes with you. So thank you for a great year and I wish you a very happy, happy new year. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.